2: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Politically Georgia podcast, where we bring you news and analysis from all the latest Georgia shenanigans in Congress and under the Gold Dome. Before we get started, I want to invite you to follow us on Twitter at Politically GA to keep up with the latest developments in Georgia politics and share your thoughts about the show. Today, I'm joined by AJC State House reporter Maya T. Prabhu. Maya, thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
2: Well, we're going to talk about someone you know very well, and um, that's Nikema Williams, who has been named as the replacement for Congressman John Lewis, who passed away at the age of 80 on July 17th. Lewis had represented the Atlanta-based 5th Congressional District since 1987. Now, there's going to be a separate special election to fill out the remaining months of Lewis's term, which expires in January of 2021. Governor Kemp has 10 days to set the timing of that vote, but that doesn't affect Nakeema Williams' race because she's on the November ballot for a full two-year term and she is a virtual lock to win that race. This di- this district is so Democratic that Donald Trump only got basically about 10 or 12 points um, in uh, in 2016 here. Um, so it is a Democratic safe seat and Nakeema Williams is barring a catastrophe uh, and something unexpected. Um, she is going to be the next Congresswoman for the 5th District. And Uh, This is a look at how she became John Lewis's successor just 48 hours after his passing. Um, When we learned of the death late Friday night, the state law also requires a successor to be chosen basically by Monday afternoon. What it says is um, there is a uh, the the state party has to appoint a replacement for the for the candidate on the ballot within uh, 24 hours, 24 hours after of the first business day after the death. And that was Monday morning. As of Tuesday morning, Lewis's funeral arrangements have not even been announced yet. So talk about how this decision had to become, come about so quickly.
1: So since the primary had already happened for, um, Congressman Lewis, um, and the, we're technically close to the November election, you know, like you said, state law, requires that um this the party put forth a name on the ballot to face uh you know there is a Republican challenger on the ballot as well or they could have left Lewis's name on the ballot which obviously wouldn't have made sense um so they they put together this plan um you know like you like you said similar to what Governor Kemp did in um I don't even remember what time is anymore. You know, so it was similar to what he did last year in um in finding a successor for Senator Johnny Isaacson um, uh, putting out an open call to submit applications online. Um, you know, so the party made this announcement on, you know, Congressman Lewis died Friday night. Uh, the party made this announcement on Saturday, and um, interested people had until um, Sunday evening, early evening, to submit applications saying that they were interested in in being placed on the ballot and and running for this seat.
2: And more than 130 of them did so. Um, And it was really interesting because they had, you know, Democrats, of course, in Georgia had known that this was a distinct possibility because Congressman Lewis said a few months ago that he had pancreatic cancer and the prognosis for that type of cancer is is, is very dim. Um, so there was, there was you know, talks and conversations on, on the sidelines about this, but still um, it, was, it still hit people with such a jolt that even over the weekend um, after Democrats had announced this online application process, there was a lot of soul searching um, about the timing and about whether or not certain candidates wanted to do it and certain candidates didn't. And there was a lot of talk about, about you know, having a, a, a prominent figure, um, you know, kind of from an older generation of Democrats who is to apply. So there was talk about Atlanta, former Atlanta Mayor Shirley Franklin or Fulton County Commission Chair Rob Pitts you know, applying for the job, getting it maybe, and then, and then stepping down after two years, after just one term to, to leave a wide open election. In the end, neither of those, uh, the, those Democrats ended up applying for the job, but 131 other people did. And it was a cross section of, of the Georgia Democratic Party.
1: Yeah, you know, we had, um, you know, some younger, more liberal um, politicians. Uh, political activists put their, put their names in. And then, you know, we had some more, you know, as a, as a Spellman graduate, you know, we had a former Morehouse president uh, put their name in and, and um, Senator Vincent Fort who represented the district that Nakima Williams represents now. Um, you know, so it was just a, a cross section, like you said, of people who were really interested in in running for this race in November.
2: And, and Democrats were in a real uncomfortable position because a they were still grieving the lo- the, the death of Congressman Lewis, who, who, who of course is just an iconic legend in Georgia politics. Um, as you mentioned, his funeral arrangements hadn't even been set up. Um, at, at the same time, um, the front runner for the seat is Nikema. Was was always going to be Nakima Williams. She she represents a, a portion of the district. Um, she is the state party chair. She's a veteran activist um, with deep ties to abortion rights groups like Planned Parenthood, where she once worked. Um, But they also had to fight the perception that this was kind of in the bag for her because she's the state party chairwoman. And the state party's executive committee is the group that gets to decide this. So what Democrats had to do first was set off what they called an independent panel of seven people um, to vet these 131 applicants um, and figure out five finalists. And you just mentioned one of them was the former uh, retired president of Morehouse, um, and he was the um, he was the oldest of the uh, of the five finalists. He was kind of the o- only one that didn't represent the younger, more progressive brand of, of Democratic politics. Um, but the other four were, uh, aside from Nikema Williams, State Representative Park Cannon, Atlanta Councilman Andre Dickens, and the president of the Georgia NAACP, um, Major Woodall. And uh, they they all had five minutes. It was such an awkward abbreviated process. They all had five minutes to kind of deliver their their pitches uh, on a zoom call that was riddled with your usual technical flaws with, the, with any zoom call, frozen screens, people who forgot to unmute all that. But this was a pitch to basically be on, be, be the Georgia's next congressperson. Um, and they had five minutes to do so, not some long, you know, drawn out campaign, but just a five minute speech.
1: Yeah. And, um, you know, I can, I can see that being kind of a nerve wracking thing. People decide that they want to run for Congress. They typically have months to prepare and raise money. Um, and, uh, like you said, soul search, uh, seek advice and they pretty much had 48 hours to, to pull, All of this together, and and make the pitch to their fellow Democrats why they should be the ones to um, to replace Congressman Lewis on the ballot.
2: And it wasn't some; it it was a process not without controversy because in the day, well, I shouldn't say days because it only was a days long process. In the hours leading up to that vote. Um, there was, there was a, a, a few prominent Democratic officials who said either that the party should announce, should, should tap a placeholder, um, someone like Mayor Franklin who didn't ultimately apply, but someone, someone maybe like the like, like retired President Franklin of Morehouse um, to fill that job for two years and give way to, to a wide open election or just to simply tap someone who would immediately resign after winning the vote to, to create a, a special election. In, in early of next year. And one of those people who said that or who suggested that was the path the Democrats should take was Michael Collins, who is the former chief of staff, one of the closest deputies to John Lewis um, throughout his political career. And um, that one sent to shockwaves throughout um, uh, state Democrats. Uh, it did not affect the, the ultimate vote, but it certainly gave them food for thought.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, I've seen a lot of um, conversations, some conversations I've had, you know, where people assumed that there was no plan put in place. But, you know, like you said, Congressman Lewis said in December, you know, he he revealed in December that he was, um, that he had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, which typically has like, I think it's a three to six month survival rate. And he made it seven, you know, and which I think is just a testament to the type of person that he was. But, um, you know, obviously, I'm sure as a man facing his mortality, um, he had thoughts and conversations with what he would want. Um, And, you know, I heard that, you know, I heard rumblings that Um, Nakima Williams was, was who he wanted. So um, this kind of pushback from people, um, especially a lot among a lot of the, the women who are Democrats that I spoke with were really frustrated by what seemed like a lot of men being very loud about their um, unhappiness with what looked like uh, this shoe in uh, candidacy for Nikema Williams.
2: Yeah, Senator, Senator Gloria Butler, who you know very well, she she said that the, that the idea of someone winning an election in 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 November and then stepping down in January was insane. Uh, so there's there's a lot of pushback, and uh, doing the doing that Zoom call on Monday, um, you know, there was almost as much talk about the process of the vote and and, and how uncomfortable. That the, the party members were with it than there was about the vote exel, itself, but that's all to say that they didn't have any choice. That's what state law says. There might be a little wiggle room in the state law because the state law says that you know they have a, the business day after the death to just determine whether to appoint a replacement. So you know perhaps the party could have just sent a yes, we will uh, appoint a replacement to the Secretary of State's office and then been, get, gotten a little bit more lead way to do so. But no one wanted to take that risk. The Secretary of State of Georgia is Republican. And the big concern from, from Democrats was that if they hadn't appointed a replacement and somehow you know gotten across with the rules um, that Angela Stanton King, the Republican on the ballot, um, would have just walked away with this victory uh, by default because Democrats wouldn't have any candidate on that ballot.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, she is the goddaughter of Alveda King, who is the niece of Martin Luther King. Um, and, uh, both of them are, you know, black women who are prominent conservatives or at least Alveda King prominent conservatives and, um, Angela Stanton King, um, you know, served time for, you know, on, uh, yeah, after being convicted for conspiracy for a role she played in a car theft ring here in, in Georgia. And in February, you know, a couple weeks before she launched her campaign, she was pardoned by, um, President Trump. Um, you know, she's been a, a vocal supporter of, of President Trump and he, he, um, commuted her sentence in, um, in February, just, I think like two weeks, two, three weeks before she launched her campaign.
2: Yeah. And this is a district so, so heavily democratic that it it would take a, a, a miracle shocker for any Republican, um, to come even close to defeating the Democrat, whoever the Democrat was on the ballot. I mean, this is Democrat, a district so, so, so safely democratic that John Lewis, um, only occasionally faced token Republican opposition. Never, never really a well-funded Republican opponent, and then you know easily trounced um, his opponent year term after term after term after term. And that's why Democrats always said the point is not finding someone who could win in November because anyone they picked would probably win in November. The the point was this could set a new sort of dynasty in a way, right? I mean, this is this is this is, they're selecting the next congressperson who could be there for decades, or could use this as a launching point to run for statewide office, could could use this to, you know, as, as a stepping stone to another big office, or could stay in Congress for a very long time, just like Congressman Lewis did. So a, hu- a huge momentous occasion. And as we mentioned earlier, Nikima Williams won, and not only did she win, she won overwhelmingly. Uh, it was a 44-member committee, um, about 41 ballots were cast, and I counted only two or three, um, one or two people abstained, but only two or three that weren't cast for her. Um, Two of them went to Park Cannon, the state representative, and just about all of the rest went to Nikema Williams. You covered her, um, you've covered her for years, and you've watched her up close in the state Senate. What what, what, what is she known for? What can you tell me about her?
1: So, you know, I've been thinking about this, and, and granted, I know people who have never held political office run for Congress and win. I know that that's something that's possible. But if you think about it, you know, uh, three years ago, she had never been elected to public office. Um, she'd been, she was a lobbyist for Planned Parenthood. And, um, while she held, um, you know, leadership positions within the party, you know, whether it was, um, you know, the, the, the state party as a whole as first vice chair, or, you know, uh, with young Democrats, cause you know, she's, she's, 41 she'll be 42 next week um you know and she had never run for I I I read back over my my first story that I wrote about her three years ago and you know she was a first-time candidate and so to go from a first-time candidate um come January she will have served one and a half terms in the state senate and she has she is um she's you know, most likely headed to Congress. So it's just, it's interesting to watch her rise kind of from the beginning. Um, you know, she is someone who has always been very active in the Democratic Party. She's very active and outspoken when it comes to, um, women's rights. She's currently working for, um, the the Domestic Workers Alliance, um, which is also, um, you know, obviously an overly, uh, women are, are domestic workers, um, you know, and she um, she's been in Atlanta since 2002, I want to say, uh, shortly after college. She just said she wanted to come and make it in the big city, which <laughs> when I spoke with her a couple years ago, she said her family still refers to Atlanta as the big city because she's from Alabama. Um, and
2: um, just like John Lewis, by the way, and, and it's a parallel that yeah. that she kind of um, hit, hit upon on Monday was they both you know kind of have the same uh, background in, in that sense um as she tried to tie herself to to kind of following not really in his footsteps because it's impossible to fill his shoes but saying that she's she's that he was a mentor of hers
1: right exactly and you know she um you know speaking speaking of that you know in 2018 during the the governor's race when protesters were in the state capitol kind of demanding that every absentee and provisional ballot be counted um, in that race between Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp. Um, She joined uh, her constituent. She joined protesters um, and was arrested in the Capitol Rotunda, um, which, you know, was a national news story because to have a a sitting um, state, Senator be arrested, especially when state law says that, which has always been an interesting state law to me says that state law says that um, lawmakers can't be uh, arrested unless it's, you know, something egregious um, during the legislative session. And so she was, you know, arrested, she was held in Fulton County jail for uh, I think five hours Um, her, she and 15 other or she and 14 or 15 total who were arrested um, on um different charges like obst- obst- obstruction disrupting the general assembly. and um you know that that gave her kind of a national recognition, you know, kind of rising her her profile. And eventually, I think six or seven months later those um those charges ended up being dropped. And I remember at the time, um she said that she was considering suing um Capitol Police. The last time I spoke to her probably was early at the beginning of the session and and that was still something that she was considering. I, I don't know. I don't know how much this changes those things. Um but, you know, so this this kind of idea of of good trouble, right? Of that um Congressman Lewis was known for um being arrested, standing with her with alongside her constituents, alongside, you know, Atlanta residents who were um voicing their desire that every vote be counted right so this is again like another clear parallel with with congressman lewis that she made sure she pointed out when she was stating her case
2: you know it always struck me about that that that, that arrest happened during a, a, a abbreviated special session late in the year um in december 2018 after the general election it was designed to 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 help um, farmers and south georgians get get relief from from hurricane michael um and what, what always struck me was she didn't, she didn't demonstrate with those protesters seeking out arrest. This wasn't one of those, you know, sometimes you'll have politicians who know they're going to get arrested. And I'm not saying it's a good or bad thing. I'm, you know, but it's just, it's part of the, the whole decision that um, they're going to get arrested and, 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 um, and then kind of, you know, drive a news cycle and then kind of move on. She was actually just there not to show her support and was completely stunned when she was arrested, I mean, you can see it in her face how f- angry and frustrated and just surprised she was that she got arrested, um, because she was one of several lawmakers who were protesting uh, with these these demonstrators in in the in the state capitol. And if I recall correctly, um, at least one or two white lawmakers did not get arrested, and she um, she clearly had her name badge on, and she was a state senator, and everyone in the capitol you know, knew who she was. Um, and she gets arrested and she talks about what a humiliating experience it it was, but it was also one of those kind of defining moments for her young political career at the time that, that right after a very divisive gubernatorial race, um, she is, uh, the head or she's, was she the head of the democratic party at the time?
1: Not yet. Not yet.
2: But she was looked at as as potentially being the next chairwoman of the state Democratic Party. And she was arrested for for joining uh, peaceful protesters in the Capitol, demanding that every vote be counted.
1: Yeah. You know, and I was I was there in the mix of it when this happened. And I remember, you know, she was like you said, the shock was apparent. She was she was shocked. Um, She was visibly shaken you know her as she's as they're putting the zip ties on her wrist you know she's speaking with the media and she's like you know i'm being arrested i told them who i am i'm being arrested because i didn't disperse and and i'm not going to disperse like i work here um and she was so um visibly shaken frustrated angry with um these capital police for Arresting her for standing with her constituents who were protesting something like making sure that every vote gets counted and and, like you said, it it there are um uh, lawmakers who will go into situations knowing that there is a chance that um they're going to get arrested for protesting, whereas you know she had in the morning gone into the Senate session, gone on the Senate floor, had some votes. They were done for the day, and she was just kind of there speaking with constituents about why they were protesting and making sure that they were okay when all of a sudden, you know, you just see Capitol police, like kind of move in on this group of people and start, um, pulling people off and, and placing them in these zip ties and, and putting them in a van and taking them to jail.
2: Now, and a few months later, that's when she was elected the, the first black female, chairwoman. Uh, Sherwin- of, of the state democratic party. And of course she still has a state Senate seat um, it, that she won as a, in a special election. Um, at, it was held by Vincent Ford and he left uh, that office to, um, to run for Atlanta mayor and an unsuccessful bid. But what is her, what is, what has she been like in the state Senate? Has she, is she the one who always takes the well? Is she someone who, who is more quieter behind the scenes? Is she someone who, who, who is you know, very vocal in committee meetings? I mean, what what, what kind of um, balance has she struck there?
1: So she's definitely someone who, you know, I don't. I wouldn't say that she necessarily hangs back. She's not someone who goes to the well every day um, or asks a lot of questions during floor debate. But she is very active and and very um, involved in in committee hearings and um you know kind of you know works behind the scenes um with members of her party in both chambers right cuz she she leads the state party um to make sure that they have everything that they need and they're able to do the things that they want to do um uh but whenever you know there is something you know there's been kind of this um this joke that a lot of times when major events happen, um, the Democratic caucuses take a little time before they issue a statement, um, you know, something that is red meat for them, a red meat issue. Uh, they might wait a day or two to issue a statement of condemnation, what have you. Uh, she's always very quick to have her statement ready, whether it's on Twitter or whether it's sent out through official means. And it's always very strong. You know, she she does her job as, as for leading the state party, you know, hitting back strong at things that she disagrees with and touting things that, that she does agree with um, in her role as party chair. But as a senator, you know, she's someone who kind of does the work and doesn't necessarily need all of the the cameras and 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 you know clips and attention that maybe some of her other colleagues do.
2: Yeah, we um we she's very quotable. <laughs> we yes. there's a reason why she's in a lot of AJC blogs and articles because she is um, she's very quick um uh, on the draw uh, after something happens and her quotes are sharp, cutting and and they are what she believes in. Um, you, 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 there's they're authentic. And um, that, that, that's saying a lot about, uh, about a politician because there's not, there's not many authentic politicians in, <laughs> anywhere in Georgia included, right. but she, she hits that on the head. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Maya. Um, and you're, you're one of our, the, the paper's Nikima Williams experts because you've been following her career and covering her for so long. We'll be looking forward to your reports about the Georgia legislature, about Nikema Williams, and about all these developments. Over the next few months, man, we've got a busy, busy time ahead, don't we?
1: The year just keeps getting busier and busier. 2020 is the one for the record books.
2: Well, that's all for this week's edition of the Politically Georgia podcast. Head to AJC.com forward slash politics to subscribe to Politically Georgia. You'll get access to our daily newsletter, along with all of our stories and updates on all things Georgia politics. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and rate us. It really means a lot to us when you do. And as always, thank you for listening.
0: Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case.
1: I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years.
0: Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com indictmentnewsletter Indictment Newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com indictmentnewsletter Indictment Newsletter.